This Friday, I saw that with my kids, and uh, when it was over, we were high-fiving and stuff, because uh, that's what you do when you watch a movie like that. Let me tell you why I like this film, and then we're going to talk about God's Word for a few moments. I liked it because it's the first film in a long time that didn't diss my country. I know we're not a perfect country, but I get tired of Hollywood trying to remind us how bad we are. I don't like that. So this was fun for me, because it showed a good American guy doing some really cool stuff, and... It made me feel good about, about where we are. It, it was kind of nice. It kind of amused me, helped me forget a few things, and also showed a powerful theme that I hope that I can show you its correlation between God's Word and this film. Now, here's the deal. Millions of people will watch this film this week, just like last week when we talked about Harry Potter, and they will have no idea that interwoven into this story are powerful themes of spirituality, some of which undermine God's truth some of which underscore God's truth. And we can, if we're sensitive, godly people being led by God's Spirit, just like Paul standing on Mars Hill 2,000 years ago, we can engage our culture and have powerful conversations with people that don't in any way put a shadow on our witness for God, but instead pulls people into what God has for them. The reason stories resonate with people is because... God, I believe, has put inside of every human being the touch of eternity, or at least that's the way the Bible describes it in the book of Ecclesiastes. In every human being's heart, there's the touch of eternity. And there's a grand story being written in this world about our massive creator God who is awesome and good and loving and kind. And there is a powerful war at work against that force. And that war gets worked out in every relationship, In this entire created order, it gets worked out in your life and in my life. And sometimes when we hear or watch or read stories like the one that we're going to talk about today, it resonates with us. And if we're careful, we can tune in, fine-tune into the bigger story of God. My hope is, is that those things then would become catapults into engaging what God wants us to do and be and understand about him. Let me tell you a little bit about this story. See, Steve, the guy you saw there, the little wimpy kid, Steve Rogers, he desperately wanted to go to battle. He was alive during World War II. We were fighting the Nazis, a very obvious enemy, and he wanted to go, but he didn't have the physical stature to do it. He was kind of small, and they made a lot of fun of him about that. He was always getting beat up, but deep down, he had a strong heart. He had a, a character and an integrity about him. There's this great scene in the film, without giving too much away, uh, he goes to a, a camp where basically basic training, and they're trying to decide which guy are they going to choose for this special project. And everybody involved in the boot camp camp, what they're trying to do is find the guy with the right muscles, the guy with the right build, the, right, the guy with the right skill set. But there's this one guy, the scientist, who is looking for something a little deeper, and he believes he's found it in Steve. So they go through a series of tests, and sure enough, Steve's heart and his character rises to the surface, and he's chosen for the task. And the rest of the movie is about him getting bestowed upon him some muscles, some skills, some really cool gadgets like that neat uh, shield he's carrying. But really what it's all about is his heart and his integrity. I got to tell you, as a pastor, I love watching movies about heart and integrity. I can't imagine, even though it's completely pretend and make-believe and over-the-top sometimes in its believability, there's not a more believable story than the struggle that takes place on the field of your character. you You know what character is, right? Character is what you're very motivated to know and understand because you want to live with people of character. 
So do I. You and I want to make sure that we are married to a person who has character. We want to make sure that if we're an employer, our employees are people of character. I want everybody I work with to have character. I'm very interested in this subject. I'm so interested in this subject because I need you to have character if you're going to interact with me. The challenge with character isn't that we're not interested in the subject. The challenge with character is not that we don't believe it's important. The challenge with character is is that we see the character flaws in every other person, but we have a hard time seeing them in ourselves. I'm always willing to evaluate how character is going in you, really. But I have a hard time wanting to evaluate how I'm doing with my own character. I, I, I like to listen to the radio as I'm driving down the road. I'm an AM kind of guy. I actually like the talk radio stations. Sometimes they get a little old, but you know what I found is that it's very entertaining to discuss the character flaws of everybody else. I mean, I can listen for 30 minutes, two hours if I've got a long trip, and it's funny. People call in, and maybe, you know, if you've got like a real charismatic, um, you know, talking head on the radio, they'll rip them apart about their issues, or they'll be in agreement maybe with the guy they're calling into talking about on somebody else, and it's real easy to look at somebody who leads a company or leads a country or sits in a special seat of honor and position, and it's almost entertaining to talk about their character mishaps. I, I, I find it enjoying. I, I, I like it. I wouldn't want, though, to be the subject of that call-in show. That would not be so much fun to me. So, you know, we all believe and agree that character is an important issue. All of us. I mean, nobody has to convince us that it's a big deal. If you're married to somebody who doesn't have character, yeah, it's not very fun. I mean, have you been there? If you're like a child and you watched your parents go through stuff and you were old enough to realize that this really was a character issue at the core of the breakdown... That's not a a fun thing to enjoy. See, we're bothered by the lack of character in everybody else, and we're highly entertained by their flaws. But sometimes we have a hard time seeing ourselves in the middle of that situation. Now, here's, here's the thing I was pondering. Where do you look? Where do you go to to develop character? Have you ever thought about this? If you, for instance, go to the mall today, you can go into 100 different stores that want to develop all different kinds of pieces of your life. You can go in stores that will help you develop your physical appearance, like put you in nicer clothes. You can go into stores that they will spend hours on your fingernails and toenails to make you look better on the outside. There are entire stores devoted to making you smell better. There are. You can go to a symposium to learn about developing some skills for better sales. All around our world, if you want to develop your outside appearance, if you want to develop a skill set to do better in some area of life, you have no problem finding a place to go do that. You want to learn how to pitch better? Hire a pitching coach. You want to play tennis? Get a tennis coach. You want to be a better salesman? Go to a sales seminar. All kinds of places you can go to learn skills and develop the outside. But there are very few places where we can go in life to develop our character. You know why that is? Because if there there was a business like that, if there was a character industry, it would go out of business. Now, it wouldn't go out of business because, for instance, you're an employer. You you would love to send your employees to a place like that. Because you know how important it is to have character if you're an employer for your employees to have that. You, you understand that. You'd love to send your employee. If you're married, listen, wouldn't you love 
before you got married to make sure that your spouse went through a certification program where somebody else looked at them objectively and said, this person has character, they're not qualified to be married? Wouldn't that be a great, doesn't exist. So here's the thing. We could run a character industry if we could make sure that everybody else went to that industry. If we can make sure that you, for instance, if I can make sure you paid the money to go through that program to get certified. That's not the way it works, is it? No, the way way this works, the reason why there aren't character industries is because you and I both know we're not going to spend much money to make sure we have character. I want to make sure you have character. I'm not all that interested in sacrificing to make sure I have character. That's just the truth. It's the way it works in our world. The reason there is no industry is because there would be no money in it. And yet character is fundamentally important. I was reminded of that as I was watching Captain America that it doesn't really matter your stature, the way you look, what other people say about you. Oh, all those things matter, of course. Of course they matter. But your skill set, your intellect, your ability to talk, whether you're shy or outgoing, whether you have the look or don't have the look, whether you can accomplish the thing, all those things are very secondary to a basic character issue. Do you have it or not? Now, we're talking a lot about character, but really... What, what, what is character? What, what's the working definition of character? We're going to get to that in a second. But I want to make you aware of a challenge that I see at work in our culture. I see it at work when I sit down with some of you and we talk about what's going on in your life. And you share with me some of the challenges you're facing about some of the people maybe who don't have character and you have to interact with them. Right? When I sit down with couples and they're talking about things going on in their marriage. Sometimes when I sit down with a high school student or a college person, we're talking about the way they were raised. I want to talk about some of that because I think that there are two things in our modern culture that we put above character to our detriment. Two fundamental ways of engaging life that we elevate above personal character. And when we do that, it almost always costs us. But here's the challenge. These two things I'm going to talk about. When you first put them above character, the immediate result, the immediate, like immediately after you do it, It's not a negative consequence. Immediately after you do these two things, at first, often, it feels pleasurable. It feels good. It feels like progress. And because the negative consequences are delayed, our entire culture, I'm afraid, and I don't mean to be a pessimist, but I'm afraid character has slipped to the back burner, and I don't anytime soon see it being elevated culture-wide back to the front, to to the priority place it's supposed to deserve. Now, two big things we put above character. Here's the first one. I think we put achievement above character. Now, think about this. You all know and I know people who have ran over top of people, cashed in on their integrity, been dishonest to get ahead. You know people like that. I know people like that. If you don't know them personally, again, get on talk radio. They'll make you aware. Depending on which radio program you're listening to, it'll either be a Republican or a Democrat. I promise you. You all know people who have cashed in on personal integrity to get ahead. See, in our world today, we really value achievement. We value getting ahead. And and when we do this consistently, a brand new ethic develops, a brand new way of engaging the world. Every time a student decides when they go to college, the goal of college is to get through college. The goal of college is to graduate and get your little piece of paper. Not bad, right? Sounds great. But when the progress alone becomes the number one agenda item, 
that college kid, and it happens all over college campuses. If you've been paying attention to news, you know this happens. All over the world, in high school and colleges, people will, in the name of progress and achievement, cash in integrity. So some guy will show up at his frat house one night, and he'll have a copy of the test. And very rarely does anybody go, oh, no, please, throw it away, burn it. No, what they do instead is they go, really? Let me see that. And without even thinking about it, achievement and progress has taken the place of a raw, fundamental character development opportunity. We value in our culture achievement above character, and we do it to our own detriment. It's the person who takes the shortcut to get ahead, the person who takes advantage to get ahead, the person that will lie, cheat, and steal to get ahead. And because we value achievement so much, I mean, think about it. Isn't really moving forward what it's all about? I mean, isn't it really, no matter where you are, advancing a bit? Because we value it so much, a new ethic develops that says, really, do what you need to do to get ahead. At the end of the day, it's on you anyway. Nobody's going to take care of you. So if you have to play the game the way it's played to get ahead, good for you. Good for you. And you can sit around with your friends and you can talk about what has happened and what you needed to do. And very rarely will anybody ever step up and say, <clears throat> you may want to think about what this is doing to you on the inside. It doesn't happen. When we put achievement above our integrity, above our character, when we do that as a society, when we do that as individuals, when we do that in our families, when we do that, we do it to our own detriment. See, I don't think God came down to this earth and said to us this. Really what I want for you guys is to never get stuck. I want you to always move forward. I want you always to progress on your goals. And whatever you have to do, do it. That, that, that's not what God came to do. He came to this world to say, I'll walk with you in life, in a journey. I'll help mold you. If you're a follower of Jesus, I'll help mold you into the image of my son. We will work together to craft you and make you. And I'm going to put you, he says, in environments where you're going to have to make a fundamental decision. Will I put my personal achievement right now on the top of the to-do list? Or will I walk with God through a school of character development that may not get me on the fast track where I think I want to go? But I'll trust him to work with me, and I'll put the intangible things that maybe everybody else can't see, like what's going on inside of my heart, above what everybody else can see. See, I think this is a countercultural message. It's one of the reasons why I liked Steve Rogers on the show that I watched this week with my kids. I liked it because I knew that as we were sitting there, my kids are getting, you know, a little bit of culture's input into their life that runs specifically counter to what they normally get to hear. They normally get to hear, do whatever you want. Move ahead. You have to play the game. Get there. Some of you, by the way, you work for a guy or a lady just like that. And you can see it all around you. I think we put achievement above integrity and character too often. Let me tell you the second thing I think we do, and then we'll define this word for us and make it a little bit more tangible. I think we put fulfillment above character. I think our culture has taught us a new morality that says, really what God wants for you is to be happy. And what that means, of course, interpreted is, is right now in this moment, you should feel fulfilled. And whatever you need to do to do that, that's okay. That's probably more important than asking what might be going on inside of you while you're getting your fulfilling moment. Because this is the new ethic alive at work in our world. 
We have whole industries that have developed that 20, 30 years ago we've never even think about. If you're a guy, you can pull up to a building today, get valet parked in broad daylight in the middle of a city in a country town, and walk inside and see things that you probably shouldn't be seeing. And nobody says anything about it because you're really just getting a fulfilling moment, satisfied, at least temporarily. And because it meets a need, and because it serves society's purposes to a degree, nobody wants to really comment on those things. In our entire culture, we have put fulfillment above integrity. Anytime you put your personal fulfillment above your own character development, you do it to your detriment. The challenge is, listen to me, the challenge is, is that the negative consequences of that don't come often until later. Oh, I'm telling you, in our culture, achievement and your fulfillment are more important to you. This is preached to you in almost every film. It's lived out to you in almost every environment. You see it among your politicians. It's in the church. Sometimes you've seen it in your parents' Your fulfillment and your achievement is more important than your character. And I'm here to tell you today, that's a big stinking lie. It will cost you. It will cost you. I'm I'm a a bit of an amateur mechanic. My dad was very, um, he listened to these podcasts. How do I say this? He was very frugal growing up. And so we always bought old vehicles. If he weren't listening, I'd say cheap, but it offended him last time I said that. So he's very frugal. And we would always buy old vehicles. And, and, and because he was frugal, they would break down and he wouldn't take them to the mechanic because they, you know, they cheat you and, and they cost too much. And so he'd work on it themselves. And a job that might take 15 minutes, he'd work on it for three days. And I'd get to hold the flashlight. That was always fun, you know. One job, you know, and he'd often look at me. All I ask you to do is hold the flashlight, and you can't even point. And, oh, Dad, I'm sorry. You know, anyway, but we would work on cars, right? Now, here, here's, here's what I learned about cars. Cars are designed with very intricate parts. There are pistons and bearings and camshafts. There are, are, are rings. There, there are seals. And they are designed to fit together beautifully, perfectly. And when everything's put together and everything's been lubricated, they added fluid to the engine called oil. As long as there's oil in that machine and it's relatively clean, those pieces that fit together, that rub together, that as they move, they build, as long as there's adequate oil and cooling, those, that machine will work for a long time. It'll work as it should. You ever driven a car without oil? Anybody in the room? Don't... Yeah, you ever? I know you have. Some of you have. I have a friend who drove a car without oil, didn't know it. Went to get her oil changed. The guy left the, the top off. She drove away, dropped the oil. And then within about two weeks, not immediately, but within two weeks of, of her intermittent driving, her engine seized up. Now, she had the same internal parts that every other engine has. Fit together, working fine, doing its thing, but the oil was gone. And the parts that were designed to work together, to come together in harmony... The parts that were designed to fit together to accomplish forward momentum, because there was no oil over time, those very parts, instead of bringing out the best in each other, instead of moving forward, those parts began to destroy each other. They rubbed on each other. The heat and the friction over time wore those parts down to eventually the engine couldn't go forward any further. She pulled away, was leaking oil. I bet most of the oil in her vehicle came out within the first 30 minutes as she drove away. 
But it took two weeks before she began to see the full impact of her lack of oil. Your integrity, your character is the oil of your life. It is. And without it, those things that God has brought into your life to fit together, to operate, to come together in harmony, bring out the best in each other, begin to wear on each other, destroy each other, and over time they break down. It's the overtime part that gets us in our instantaneously motivated culture. We're motivated. We want it now. We want to move forward now. And in the name of move forward now, moving forward now, we'll do whatever we want. We want our pleasure now. And in the name of that, we'll do whatever we need to do. We'll run up our credit cards. We'll, we'll make all kinds of stupid choices to get it now. We put achievement and fulfillment. And at in the wake of those kinds of decisions where character is at the bottom of the list, there is always, mark my words here, there is always relational damage in the wake. Always relational damage in the wake. You've seen this, haven't you? Some guy for a moment of pleasure cashes in his integrity and his family reaps the consequences over years? You've seen it, haven't you? Some lady makes some decision to forego the right thing and does the thing that she thinks is going to get her where she wants to go and over time her family... Some of you work for an employer who has no real character and the only reason you stay with them is to get a paycheck to put food on your table. In the wake of of the challenge in character versus achievement of fulfillment, there's always relational meltdown. When the oil of character is taken out of the dynamic of life, there's always destruction. God's word is not silent on this. It's one of the most powerful things that God has come to this world to remind us. He's given us the gift of information so that we don't have to be like our world moving forward. Believing that moving forward is its own value. It's the new highest morality. We don't have to believe that our own personal satisfaction and enjoyment in the moment is the highest good. Instead, we can understand that something deeper might be going on inside of us. That God might want to do something real deep in us that doesn't produce chaos and destruction in his wake. Instead, it oils the machine of this life so that marriages just work better. So that parenting just goes better. So that employees, employers, and brothers and sisters and kids to their adult parents, it just goes better. And it's called character and integrity. I want to take you to the book of Proverbs in your Bible. Proverbs chapter 11 here for the last few minutes. We're going to look at three verses that don't take a whole lot of explanation because they're pretty clear right on the surface. And they're all about this character dynamic that you already believe is important. You've already experienced its negative consequences when somebody didn't have character integrity in dealing with you. When somebody lied to you and you trusted them, you made decisions on what they told you and it bit you. You already believe this is important. What God would like to do in this room today is to take you and me from believing it's important for everybody else and he'd like to turn the light inside of us for a few minutes to convince us that it's important not just for you. Although, man, I hope you do get some integrity. He wants me, Ben, to believe it's important for me and to never, ever cast achievement for integrity. Never, never put a fulfillment ahead of character. Here are the verses. Here's verse one. It says, the Lord detests dishonest scales. Back thousands of years ago, if you went to the marketplace, you wanted to buy something, you wanted to buy some grain, there'd be a set of scales there. 
And in one side of the scale, there'd be a few stones, a few weight stones, measures. And that would be the cost of the grain you were getting ready to buy. And you would, on the other side of the scale, to balance it out, you'd deposit your amount of silver. This was the standard way of dealing with stuff. This basket of grain costs this much silver. How do we know? It's you measure the, the scale. Well, a shrewd businessman, in an effort to get ahead, often would weight the stone a little heavier. God says he detests dishonest scales. Now, this word detest isn't the simple, he doesn't kind of like it, he has a negative feeling about it. No, this is like a deep, he abhors. He has a gut-wrenching, vomitous emotion about dishonest scales. But accurate weights find favor with him. Now, listen, you're smart enough, friends, to translate this principle back from 3,000 years ago to today. We don't use scales anymore. But it's just a simple principle about character and integrity. God doesn't like, he detests, he has a vomitous feeling about dishonesty. Truth is at the top of his list. Jesus said, truth sets you free. You must be a dealer, a seeker of truth, not just for everybody else, but for ourselves. Character is at the top of this list. And when you have accurate weights, when you deal fairly with people, you find favor with God. I tell you, listen to me. Favor can't, with God can't be bought. But he shows us how to walk in it. It's always there. It's like here's an alternative route. The culture says go this way. Get your fulfillment on. Trade your moment. God says get out of that path and walk in my favor. Favor with God comes from doing right as it relates to character. Listen to this. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes Wisdom. Wisdom. You want wisdom? I know you do. I want wisdom. As a parent, I want my kids to have wisdom. Wisdom from God to make decisions. Wouldn't you like to know what you're supposed to do about that thing you're facing right now? Wouldn't you like to know God's perspective? Here's what God says. If we'll humble ourselves a bit, become teachable, if we'll learn his ways, understand him, with that comes a certain amount of wisdom available to us. If we're not always excusing our thing because it's a dog-eat-dog world and it's what everybody else is doing and it's what she did and if they did that, then I won't do quite as bad. Not, not. If we quit playing all those silly little intellectual games to excuse ourselves, but instead humbly put ourselves at the grace of God and humbly put ourselves at the law of God and walk in His way with integrity, with that comes a certain amount of wisdom available in life. But here's where it really comes home for me. The integrity of the upright guides him or her, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. I'm telling you, anywhere there's an employer who puts achievement or his personal feelings above his integrity, there are employees who only stay with him to get a paycheck. And anywhere in a family, somebody's putting achievement or momentary pleasure above integrity, there will be relational meltdown at some point in the future if it's not quickly corrected. Anywhere you in your personal life or me in my life puts my achievement or my feeling of happiness in the moment for what I know to do is right. Anytime I make that trade out, what's going to happen to me over time is destruction is going to come my way. And our Heavenly Father loves us enough to say to us with bold 
and clear instruction that even a child can understand. Your integrity matters more than anything else you have in this world. Anything else you can manage. Your relationship with God is premier. That's kind of on this axis. But your integrity here in dealing with other people, in treating them fairly, and honoring them, and putting them in their proper perspective, and you never ever cashing out for a quick path to the top or a quick moment of pleasure, you never cashing out your integrity to do that, that will save you. When you do it the other way, it will bring destruction. So what's our working definition of character? I'm going to provide two for you here today. One I want to provide for just everybody in the room. Character is the will to do what's right, even when it's hard. Character is the will to do what's right. Character is not the will to know what is right. Most of us know. Most of us know. Now listen, if you're in the vein of doing something and you have a pattern of doing it over time, you may not even know anymore that there's a character issue at stake. But when we begin down any road, most of us know character is the will to do what is right, even when it's hard. That's for everybody in the room. But if you're a follower of Jesus, the definition gets changed just a little. That's the one I was trying to drill home on last week. It's the thing that makes church different. It's why churches are one of the few places in our entire society you can come to and have somebody talk to you about your character, knowing that there's no immediate payoff, knowing that often there isn't warm fuzzies knowing that the only way we can emotionally connect with it is to think about how people who haven't had character have made us feel and what they've done to our life. It doesn't have any immediate rub off of good and feel nice and warm tinglies. Now, character for the believer, here it is. Character is the will to do what's right as God defines what's right. Character is the will to do what's right as God defines what's right. See, we aren't left to guess on most of the issues in life, friends. If you're following Jesus, God gave us his law. And here's the thing that we don't like in our American culture. And if you're like 15 to 30 years old and you grew up in an environment where there were no absolutes, the only absolute is there are no absolutes, this is going to rub you wrong. God is the lawgiver. And he came down with a set of laws and said, you live life this way, it goes better for you. And he didn't ask your opinion. And he didn't take a vote. And he didn't poll anybody. He simply said, these are the commandments. We don't like that. For the follower of Jesus, here's what he says. You set your will to do what's right as I define what's right. And I'll give you favor. And I'll give you wisdom. And I will raise you up. And when you have challenges, there will be a reservoir of integrity that you can draw from. You cash in. You trade off your integrity. And in those moments when you need it, you'll have nothing to draw on. You can rely on his grace in those moments, absolutely. But you will not have built up a reservoir of momentum to catapult you beyond. I want that for you. I want you to become a person who loves truth. I want you to do that because you interact with me and my family. But I'm not just praying for you today. I'm praying for me. God, elevate my integrity so that I ask first this question. God, what do you want me to do? What does your word say about this? And give me the boldness and the courage to do it. Why don't you grab out your Connect card? And we'll take a few very simple steps together. Your Connect card was located right inside of your offering envelope right there in your chair. You hopefully already filled out. Here's the first one. 
I wonder if there's anybody in the room that would like to memorize with me Proverbs chapter 11, verse 3. Here's what it says. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. The integrity of upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed. I'm taking this verse that I have never memorized until this week, putting it in my heart to remind me in those moments that my integrity, my character is at the top of the list with God. That when I choose to do what's right as he defines it, I can't go wrong no matter what the outcome is. Next step B. I wonder, now this is just momentary of honest here, right? Just honesty in the room. Truth sets people free. I wonder if anybody in the room would say, Ben, I am currently struggling with the temptation to put achievement or fulfillment ahead of my integrity. You're in a relationship you know you shouldn't be. You're doing things you know you shouldn't do. You're facing an opportunity to take a shortcut that will cash in on your integrity and undermine who God has designed you to be and called you to be. Hey, if you're there, you'll check that box. I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you that God's Spirit to come alongside you and illuminate your mind so that you can walk in the freedom He brings with the boldness and the will to do what's right as God defines it. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, that you'll just do what's right. All right? Next step C. I wonder if anybody in the room would just be honest with me for a minute and let me pray with you because you're not alone in this if this is you. Here's what it is in general. I don't search out God's opinion about the major and minor decisions I have to make. Now, I don't mean like, God, should I move across the country? I mean like, God, what does your word, what does your law say about this? What, what, what have you called people to as it relates to this issue, as it relates to sex, as it relates to my money? As it relates to the decisions I make, as it make, relates to the words I speak, do they bring life? As it relates to the activity I do in my free time, God, I don't typically ask you or your opinion, but I want that to change. Listen, if that's you, be honest. Check the box. Let's pray about that together as a community. There's no dishonesty. There's no shame in being honest about these things and moving forward with God where he'd have us go. And the next step, D. I need boldness. I think this will be some of us in the room. We just need to be bold. We don't need to know more. We just need to do what we know. I need to be bold to follow through with what I already know is right according to God's word. I mean, I bet if we took a short inventory, there are a lot of us in this room, it's right in front of us, it's been there, and we've been avoiding it. It's time, friends, for us to step forward and do what God has called us to do. I wonder, I wonder if you will let God mold and shape you into the image of his son to take you on a journey of discovery with him where he molds and shapes you and undoes the lies of our culture that says momentum forward is all you really need. Pleasure is all you really need. And if you'll let him instead mold and shape you. Let's pray together about these things right now. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your grace. God, we want to be people who do what's right. We're tired of hypocrites around us. We're tired of people being dishonest around us. We're tired of working for them, being married to them, living with them, connecting with them. But God, would you please make us sick about our own selves before we look at anybody else? And God, would you quiet the lies of our enemy that says our achievement or our fulfillment is the highest good? And would you instead help us to elevate your laws, your way, your character, and to walk in that light. I pray it in the powerful name of Jesus, the strong Son of God. Amen and amen.